Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Don Fight, Pastor Emeritus of St. Joseph of Alliance. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Tim. It's good to be back with you. Yep. I'm enjoying uh, doing this series. How about you? Oh, very much so. Yeah, we're going through the uh, UCAT, uh, and we've been discussing all week the sacraments. Today we'll continue our discussion on the sacrament of holy orders. And 255 of the UCAT asks, what happens in diaconal ordination? And I'm so glad, Tim, we got to that question because on Living Bread Radio, we listen to so many wonderful deacons, and they deserve their time too. Uh, We've talked about bishops. We've talked about the ordination of priests, and now today we want to talk about uh, the ordination of a deacon. Uh, that also is a rank or an order uh, of mm-hmm. uh, the sacrament, um, and uh, it's a little unique. Uh, it, uh, the actual evidence of uh, men being called to this rank of holy orders is in the Acts of the Apostles. It didn't take long before it was evident that the apostles were not having enough time to do all that they wanted to do. And so it was the movement of the Holy Spirit uh, among the first Christians to say to the apostles, we need some, uh, we need to, uh, we need help. Some people are being missed in the charity work. And so uh, they prayed about it and decided to lay hands on some men who were called to especially work in the charity of the church. We see that as the seed of diaconal ordination. And um, the deacons uh, of our church continue to be very strongly involved in the charities of the church. Recently, in my own lifetime and yours, uh, we restored the permanent diaconate to the church. It had sort of fallen under disuse, but it's been back now. And in our country, most of our dioceses are making strong use of our deacons. Uh, and they can not only work with the charity of, of Jesus, the, the good servant of God's people, but they also help with the, at the altar. You see deacons who are uh, able to preach the word and proclaim the gospel before that preaching. Uh, they're able to assist the priest during the mass. They also may baptize. Uh, deacons also by their ordination are able to uh, assist at a marriage. Uh, they never lead the mass. They never hear confessions. Those powers are reserved to the priesthood. But they can also do things like uh, uh, somebody needs a priest for a funeral at the cemetery. Um, deacons uh, uh, can take the lead in offering those kind of prayers too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wasn't uh, St. Stephen the first martyr, uh, deacon to be martyred? That's right, he was. And of course one of the other well-known ones uh, was St. Lawrence of Rome who also has a great story of that deacon, too. Some great deacons in the history of our church. Awesome. So 256 of the UCAT asks, who can receive the sacrament of holy orders? Well, first you have to be a, a Christian. Um, and to be a Christian, you have to be baptized. Uh, but the only ones called to holy orders are men um, who are baptized. Um, they can be called by the church uh, to be validly ordained. And then doesn't uh, all priests start out as deacons? They're deacons first before they're ordained yes, as they a priest? Yes, they do. They would be called transitional deacons on the way to priesthood. That's I right. see. Yeah. But I know you're going to ask me another question now uh, because well, I said that only men baptize men. So is it demeaning yeah. to women 
that only men may receive the sacrament of the Holy Orders? And that's a really good question because so many people have really felt that way, not understanding uh, deeply enough uh, how we go into the mind of Christ for everything we do. And uh, so uh, certainly, first of all, um, just to be sure that everybody knows how Jesus and the dear Lord love women, all women, and they're all called to participate in many special ways in the life of the church. They have special charisms uh, that are given to them for the things they're called to do. Um, but the church has also uh, felt that we are obliged to uh, uh, follow Jesus, who chose uh, men uh, to be present at the Last Supper, his apostles, and it was to them that he gave the uh, sacrament of holy orders. Uh, so uh, the church has never felt free to change what Jesus did. Um, and there's good reasons we feel for that. Uh, Pope John Paul II, um, in his um, um, uh, time, was really asked to re react to the question, could we begin ordaining women? And uh, so to clarify the confusion that was starting in the church back in the 1990s, uh, Pope John Paul II declared that the church has no authority uh, to give this sacrament to women. Uh, that is a decision Jesus made, uh, and we must follow it. Um, so uh, he went on, of course, to say many beautiful things that we should be enabling women to do in the church uh, and encourage them to take the proper role too. Um, but with the church has always said, you know, Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And so it would seem that a priest who is often called an icon of Jesus, uh, it would be fitting that the icon uh, of Jesus would be male as Jesus came as a male to us. Okay. And, you know, of course Jesus was a man. So if you're going to be in the person of Christ, you need to be a man, number one. Uh, number two, I don't think it's demeaning at all that I as a man cannot give birth to children. Only yeah. women can. Mm -hmm. But that's the way God intended. That's mm -hmm. the way God yeah. decided that things were going to be. So it's the same thing with the church and with mm -hmm. with our priests. Uh, Mother Teresa, uh, Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, mm -hmm. said that as far as Mary, no one could have been a better priest than she was. She could say without hesitation, this is my body, because she really did give Jesus her own body. And yet, Mary remained the simple handmaid of the Lord, so that we can always turn to her as our mother. She is one of us, and we are always united with her. After the death of her son, she continued to live on earth so as to strengthen the apostles in their ministry and to be their mother until the young church had taken shape. And, so, you know, that's good, Tim, because uh, uh, um, it occurred to me one day, you know, when they chose a successor for Judas, you know, and, and it was open to St. Peter. was very careful to ask the community, those first disciples, not just the apostles, but all the disciples, who, who do you think would be worthy? Who should we call to take Judas's place? And there's no indication whatsoever that uh, the church felt called to say, well, surely his mother should be the one. You know, it was two other men. Mm -hmm. uh, and Matthias was chosen. But uh, uh, Well, it's important to note that women do a lot in the church. And just like you and I, when we went to Catholic grade school, we were taught by the nuns. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it was the women, the Catholic women, as religious nuns, that brought the health care system to the United States mm -hmm. and the education system to That's the United right. States. Yeah. Without those two things, our country would not be what it is today. That's right. 
So it's important to know that they did tons in not only educating and, and attending to the sick with hospitals, but you have uh, a St. Francis Xavier Cabrini who was Mother Teresa before Mother Teresa was. Mm -hmm. And again, they took care of the poor. So again, women play a huge role in the church and in some ways even a greater role than men other than the priests, That's of right. course. And if, if Mary's role is to be mother, uh, you know, I think we have to honor all mothers as how close they are to, to not only to Mary, but to her son Jesus. That it's, they depend on him uh, to, to mother the, the, the children of the church. And uh, so I think that's why they got, felt called to do the things that they still do. Uh, whenever they see a need, and they're going to respond. And, uh, and again, Mary's main role is to lead us to her son Jesus, who is eternal life. That's right. Just like me as a father and my wife as a mother, our job is to lead each other and our children and in my case, lucky me, my grandson, yeah. to lead him to Christ, to lead him to salvation, to help him get to heaven. And again, this is the whole job of the church. It's the church's sacrament is for the salvation of all souls to Jesus Christ. So again, it's our job to work together and help one another in our walk with Christ so that we all get to heaven. That's right. And certainly uh, I can say that there's many times when I have seen such beautiful spiritual gifts in women that I would never say, well, I was called to be a priest because I'm holier than you or I'm smarter than you or, you know, uh, sometimes. Even I if like, it's true, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but I just see so often uh, gifts in, in many of the women I work with in the church that are great gifts uh, that are being used for the good of the body of Christ. And uh, so uh, why was I called? Why am I uh, born? Why was I born a boy? Why was, why was I called to the priesthood of Jesus? It's a mystery uh, that I leave it in the in the heart of Christ. Uh, he's the one who makes the decisions for this church. Mm -hmm. I trust him. Awesome. So 258 asks, why does the church require priests and bishops to live a celibate life? And uh, that's a good question because we didn't always require it. Uh, but in the Latin church, that's the church of the West, uh, as opposed to the Eastern church around uh, um, the original Holy Land and uh, some of those churches that, like the Orthodox and the Byzantines, they still uh, do not require celibacy for all their priests, only for their bishops. Uh, but uh, in our Latin rite, we normally do require that our priests and bishops be celibate. Uh, again, it, it, it gradually grew on the church that, you know, Jesus was celibate. He was totally dedicated to his father. And uh, so he asks us, uh, who are his priests, uh, to be totally dedicated to, uh, to him and to be close to him and uh, uh, to be totally dedicated to his father. So there's something about celibacy that forces the issue that I can't uh, be uh, also totally committed to my wife and my family. And I know um, I look with great uh, admiration on those pastors in other churches, uh, other bodies of Christ to, to, to try to do both and how difficult they find it sometimes. So the church gradually came to see, because of family problems, I think that uh, it was just best that we be calling only celibate men to the priesthood. Mm -hmm. So it's been that way now for many, many centuries. Um, well, a couple of points I'd like to make here, Father, is number one, as a priest, you of your own free will, decide to take a vow of celibacy. You choose to be celibate 
in order to be a priest. You're not forced to. Right, but it has to be a call. You have to pray about that, uh, you know, for the call. Uh, There are Mm -hmm. some who want to be priests and say, well, I could never do that because I I just know I'm called to marriage. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're called to marriage, that's a sign in the Catholic Church that you're not being called to the priesthood. Uh, But for those of us who are called to priesthood, we must also realize that that call includes a call of the Lord, a gift of the Lord. It's really a special, mm-hmm. very special gift, and it has to be carefully prepared for. And certainly, we have to we have to be very careful that we preserve th- that gift um, in a society where many people are quick to say, "Oh, Father, you'd make such a good husband." You know, <laughs> well, well, maybe again, I would have, but it wasn't my it wasn't the gift I was given. Well, another point is, and Father Joe has discussed this more than once, that he would never have the time to do both the way mm-hmm. that he should. Sure. It'd be like having two full-time jobs and with both jobs requiring overtime. That's right. I mean, I could I could talk eloquently about that for a long time, Tim, but time doesn't allow it. What else do we want to talk okay. about today? Well, uh, we gotta, we got to do the blessing. How about blessing the, our listeners? All right. Uh, dear Lord, I do ask a blessing upon all our listeners because they share by baptism in a universal priesthood of Jesus. But I thank you too, Lord, that I was called and many others to the sacrament of holy orders because we, uh, we enable the people of God to be who they're called to be. So for all that, we give thanks in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. May God bless you all. Amen. We've been listening to Father Don fight as we go through the UCAT and the sacraments of the Catholic Church. Just a reminder that all our past Faith with Father shows are archived at Living Bread Radio. And if you need to find a certain subject of a show, right on the homepage in the upper right-hand side is a search box. Until next time, this has been Tim Perry, your host with Faith with Father. God bless you. Bye now. This has been Faith with Father a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.